0: To leave the Word of God and wait on tables. Now, they're not saying that the widows did not need food. (laughs) What they were saying is that shouldn't be my responsibility to make plates. Because if I neglect the Word of God to feed you physically, then you're going to starve spiritually. So what do we have to do? What we have to learn to do is delegate. (laughs) They go on to say, verse 3, Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and serving the word. Right. Somebody has to serve the word and somebody has to serve food. <laughs> and 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 both of these things are much needed things in the church. But we can't neglect the spiritual serving of the word in order to serve food. We need to raise up other people, four of them to be exact. <laughs> OK, that can <laughs> that can handle the people's physical needs so that their spiritual needs won't be neglected. Now, notice what happens here, verse seven, because they had this delegation of responsibilities, they continue to focus on serving the word of God and meeting people's needs. Verse seven The word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith because they made sure that both of these needs were met, that the word of God was not neglected and people's physical needs were not not neglected. The word of God increased. More people got saved and even people who would have been leaders of the opposition, Jewish priests, were even converting to Christianity. The word of God is important. It is the primary responsibility. It is the primary need of people in the church. Now, God takes... The fulfillment of this duty extremely seriously, so serious, that James could say that many people should not teach because those who teach will face a stricter judgment. James chapter three, verse one. So what we need to do now is to look into this passage in, in Malachi um, and see what God says about religious leaders and two religious leaders to f- who fail to properly instruct His people. This is is God's commentary (laughs) on those who do not properly teach his people his word. Back in Malachi chapter 2. God begins by warning these religious leaders that they need to take him very seriously. He tells them that they need to take to heart everything that he has said and that he is about to say. He says they need to take seriously his command to put some respect on his name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. They need to take him very seriously. If these priests refuse to give glory to God's name, God promises them in these verses, He's going to do four things. Number one, He is going to send the curse on them. Okay. And I'll explain these in one second. Number two, he is going to curse their blessings. Number three, He is going to rebuke their children. And number four, he is going to put them out of his presence. Now, what are these four things? Number one, God says he's going to send the curse on them. He doesn't say that he's going to curse them. He says he's going to send the curse on them. And so when we look back in the Old Testament to find out what God is referring to, we have to go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. You all can look at this in another time. My time is running. All right, but uh, verses fifteen through twenty-eight, right? We we love Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight, at least the first fourteen verses. We sing songs. We're blessed in the city, right? We 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 love verses one through fourteen. God says, all of these blessings I'm going to send on you if you are obedient to me. Bless you'll be in the city. Bless you'll be in the field. I'm gonna bless your pocketbooks. I'm I'm gonna bless your socks off. Okay. Okay, But in verses 15 through 68, now think about this. He's going to give you 14 verses of blessings and then he gives you 50 verses of curses. But if you don't obey me. Curse, will you be in the city? Curse, will you be in the field? I'm going to curse your children. I'm going to curse your crops. I'm going to curse everything I'm going to make. I'm going to literally say You're going to read it. He says he will send other nations to besiege their city. And when they are starving, they will eat their own children. And he ends by saying all of these curses I will put on you until I pursue you till your death. So when God says. If you all don't learn to respect my name and teach my people to do the same, I'm going to put the curse on you. He is specifically referencing all of the curses that he promised in Deuteronomy chapter 28. That's how serious God is about this. Second, he says he's going to curse their blessings. Now, probably God is referring to three things here. Uh, most commentators think that God is referring to three things. Number one, uh, the first blessing that God is going to curse of these priests is the tithe. Remember, the tithe was not money. <laughs> okay, It was food. It was a tenth of all of the crops that the people were, 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 were harvesting. Because God does not need to eat the food. When they brought the food to the temple, right, that was the payment for the priests, so that they didn't have to go out and work. They would be able to live off of the resources that the people were bringing them. God says, first, I'm going to curse that. I'm, I'm going to take away all of the the benefits and the resources that you get from this position. I, I'm going to starve you, number one. Number two, the second blessing that they received from Leviticus chapter eighteen. Is this office of being a priest? They were supposed to serve God and serve His people, and, and this was an honorable thing. Okay. God says, "I'm going to take that away from you." Number three, and I think that this is is uh, something that is probably more in line of what what is being referred to here, because not only were the priests being cursed, but the people were being cursed. God is saying, "I'm going to curse your benedictions." You all know the part at the end of service where we just stand and be like, right? Okay. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? In Numbers chapter 6, God tells Aaron to put a blessing on the people, to give a benediction On the people at the end of their time together, and this is what God says. Verse 22 The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Verse 27 so they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. So with at the end of service, the reason that we, we read this benediction from, from Deuteronomy, I mean, um, from Numbers chapter 6, or um, sometimes people will do various ones from Jude or from um, other the other epistles that, that Paul has written, right? And a- the reason that we give this benediction at the end of the service is because we're speaking God's name over you Because God has promised that he will bless you. And we stand with our hands uplifted because this is a a, a sign of I'm receiving the blessing that is being spoken over me. God says, I'm going to curse your benedictions. Every time you stand to bless the people and they stand with hands lifted up to receive the blessing you'll be speaking a curse over them. So that whereas when you used to give the benediction over them, it was a promise that I would bless them, it's a promise that I will give a curse to every person that you speak a benediction over. Not only does God say that he is going to send the curse on the the priests themselves, and then curse the blessing so that they would be cursing the people as they are giving them their benediction. God says, <laughs> verse three, he says, I'm going to rebuke your offspring. I, I'm, I'm not only going to attack you, I'm going to go after your children. Now, listen to what God says he's going to do to your children. I'm like, Lord, please, I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm definitely, I'll, listen, I'm not perfect, but, you know, not my children, Lord, <laughs> Listen to what he says. He says, verse three, I will rebuke your offspring and spread the dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings. Y'all think it's cute to bring me sick and lame uh, um, animals and offer them as sacrifices. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the feces of your offerings. And I'm gonna wipe it in your face. You you think it's funny to just dis- defile my offering? I'm going to defile you. I'm gonna wipe your faces in the very thing that you think you can disrespect me with. I'm like, Lord, I don't need that kind of public humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> I would have woke up like, okay, then we gotta get this together. <laughs> okay, right. he's going to rub their faces in the waste of their own sacrifices. And then number four, he says, I'm going to put you out of my presence. Now, this is a reference to what the priest is supposed to do with the waste, the dung of these animals, right? They were supposed to take the the waste of the animals outside of the camp and and burn it outside of God's presence. And God says, I'm going to do the same thing to you. The the, the same way you treat manure by taking it and discarding it and putting it out of your presence. I'm going to do the same thing to you. I'm going to put you out of my presence as if you were just waste. (laughs) Now, I don't see how God could show any more disdain or contempt (laughs) for people who take the duties of teaching his people lightly. I mean that I, I, I can't see how God would do any could do any worse. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, what God is trying to get us to see th- is that the teaching role of religious leaders is the most serious task in the whole universe. What we say and what we do not only affects people's lives we affect people's eternity millions of years from now (laughs) the effects of what we say every single week will still be playing out in people's lives millions of years from now there will be some people millions of years from now because of what we say or don't say that will be experienced in anguish in hell. And there will be people millions of years from now because of the things that we say that will be experienced in all of the glories of heaven. This is the most serious duty in all of the universe. It is not something to be played with. It is not something to be done half-heartedly. God is so serious about this that if we take this responsibility of teaching God's people, um, we better do it in such a way that it brings glory and honor to God. If you take on this responsibility, you better do it in a way that brings um, honor and glory to God, or you will have to deal with God himself. (laughs) Now, God does not want to have to go this route, okay? Of course, we can go through our scriptures. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, right? God does not want to have to punish or embarrass these religious leaders. What God really wants to do is to change their mind, okay? So that's why he says in in verse 4, he says, Know then that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue i'm warning you of these things because i don't want to do these things, but i'm warning you so that you can turn around okay i i I want you all to continue in this role, but I'm giving you this warning <laughs> just in case you don't he wants this covenant with the Levites to continue now it's I think it's important um i I'll say this not on my notes, but I wanted to to bring this point up that um that he is using sometimes he used the word priest, sometimes he used the word Levites. Okay. Um, now it is it is true, commentators will debate back and forth about this, but um, but the priest technically were just the descendants of Aaron. Okay, Aaron was a Levite, he was from the tribe of Levi, but only Aaron's descendants were supposed to be the priest, right? The rest of the tribe of Levi continue to um they served in the temple and at the tabernacle right but they served as the singers the ushers right right they they fulfilled all of the other duties of the of the temple just not necessarily the the priestly duties of the sacrifices okay so i, I think that this passage is broad enough to be like well i'm not a pastor so i'm good uh, i don't think so <laughs> okay I think that's why he's switching to, to using the term Levi, because he's broadening this understanding to be anyone who serves in my house. Anyone who serves in my house. I'm just a usher. Do you serve in God's house? <laughs> okay. I'm just a deacon. Do you serve in God's house? I'm just on praise and worship. Do you serve in God's house? Because. In any of the roles that we're we're, we're 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 playing, we're still teaching people something. We're teaching somebody something. Okay. And and even if you are not, are you a parent? Are you teaching your children? We we, we we're always teaching someone something. So there there can be an application for everybody in this, all right? But we're going to narrow it back to just the, the 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 pastors today so I don't get chased out of church two Sundays in a row. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. God is, is is speaking specifically here to the Levites. It applies to all of the people because the people are following what the Levites are, are teaching them. Okay, But God is doing this because he wants them to continue in this role. But they can only continue in the role if they are able to honor God and teach other people to do the same. Now, in order to help these priests, God refreshes their memory on how the original priest. And this is probably referring um, specifically to Aaron, even though Aaron is not mentioned. He refreshes their memory on how Aaron responded when he was given the priesthood. Notice what it, it say, um, says here, right? He says, verse 5, that he gave them the priesthood, and this was a covenant of life and peace, right? You will, you will be able to live in my presence. You will be at peace with me. You will have well-being in my presence if you take this role. But with, the, with this benefit comes a responsibility, You must revere my name and stand in awe of me. You will get the benefits of of people bringing you their and offerings and you'll be able to to serve me and have all the benefits of this office. But you must, in exchange, reverence, honor, and respect me. And notice what he says about Aaron. (coughs) He says, he revered me and he stood in awe of my name. He reverenced God and he stood in awe of God's name. He he never allowed it to just be a duty. Oh, this is just what I do. I just, you know, I preach, I do that, I offer the sacrifices. Is he made sure that he never let his responsibilities get in the way of seeing God for how great he was. He kept God as the central focus of his life, not his responsibilities. He reverenced God. He stood in awe of God's name. He always made sure that his heart was in the right place with God. He says, verse 6, that people could always come to Aaron and receive instruction from the law and not worry that they were getting bad advice. (laughs) He says, true instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in integrity and uprightness and he turned many from iniquity. You know, one of the things that I have Noticed over the last of uh, twelve years, and I, I I say this you know casually, but um, the funny thing about it is, <laughs> most I'm trying, I want to say this in a the way because we be recording. I get a lot of people from other churches calling me, asking me for advice. I asked my yesterday. call called me and was like, I, I need some advice on stuff, but I can't talk to my own pastor about this. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Most of the people I counsel, they're not at the upper room. They're members of other churches. They don't feel that they can go to their pastor and get adequate advice. Right, so why do you why do you sit under that if you don't feel that? He says, the lips of a priest should guard and protect knowledge. True instruction should come from a priest's lips. Let me say, priest, pastor, with a religious leader, right? Right. People should feel comfortable being able to go. And ask for advice and know you're going to give them what the word says and it's not going to be bad advice. That is rare today. Aaron is said to have walked with God. And that probably is a reference. I'm just meaning that, you know, that he had an intimate personal relationship with God. Right. And and this intimate personal relationship caused Aaron to have integrity. In what he said. And when he taught people the law, he did so with equal justice. Now, why do I say equal justice? Because in verse nine, it talks about how these priests were were giving uh, the instructions with partiality, with favoritism. Right. Depending on who it is, I'm going to say this. Depending on if it's somebody else, I don't know, huh? how much money did they put in the offering? Oh, I can't say that to them because I don't want them to be offended. <laughs> Aaron told everybody the same advice. I don't care who you are. This is what the word says. It's across the board. Aaron was a person who is said to have turned many people away from their sins. Now, contrast that with the priest in Malachi's day, right? It says, they themselves, verse 8, were not living godly lifestyles. Their teaching was leading people into sin, and they desecrated their covenant and their role as religious leaders. Verse 8, it says, but you have turned aside from the way, right? They were not living godly lives themselves, you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. Okay, when you do give people advice, right, it's 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 hurting people. It's turning them into sin, um to, to turning them to go in a way of sin, and you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of Hosts. Now, I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like a good religious leader. <laughs> if, if people look at you and say. They're pretty immoral. The advice that they give hurts people or causes people to sin. And they're disrespecting their office. That's, you know, that's not the best way to explain a pastor. okay? And yet that can be said of so many people today. God finishes this indictment with one final punishment. He says, because the priests will not live God-honoring lives themselves and are showing favoritism in the way that they execute their teaching role, he will make the people despise them. Verse 9, he says, So I will make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in your instruction they are going to lose the dignity and respect that comes along with their office. Now, isn't that interesting? Notice the irony in in this whole passage. The priests are teaching people to disrespect God. It doesn't really matter. I mean, just bring whatever offering you want. I mean, at least you're coming, giving something, right? they he's they're teaching the people to disrespect God and God says this is what I'm going to do for you I'm going to make sure that the people disrespect you I'm going to make sure that the same way that you despise me before the people I'm going to make the people despise you Now historically in Ama- in America pastors and preachers have been esteemed very highly Like, they enjoyed great honor and respect in the community. They were consulted not only on religious matters, but also on secular matters, right? If you think about it, pastors used to be, you know, esteemed very highly in the community, right? Uh, Everybody wanted advice, right? Um, I I mentioned uh, to some people previously, maybe a decade or so ago, how, um, you know, Th- there was um, a particular uh, person. He was a part of the NAACP, and he wanted more prominence in the in the community in Baltimore. So, how did he gain more prominence? He became a pastor, right? Th- that's that's just the way we do. If 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 you want us folk to respect you, right, you got to put pastor in front of your name, okay? Um, and, and that usually does the trick. Okay? However, if you contrast that with today. Even on religious matters, pastors and preachers, their voice is just one opinion among everybody else's. It okay. doesn't really matter what you think. I'm like, well, I mean, I it is. Well, who do you think you you are to you know to tell us this and, and to judge people? And, and I'm like, well, it is kind of in my job description, <laughs> like to kind of you know, who do you think you are? You can't speak for God. Well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, you know, it, it actually is my job to, you know, kind of speak for God. That's kind of what a pastor does. <laughs> you know, he he's he speaks to God. Well, who who is supposed to speak for God if the pastor doesn't speak for God? So, but again, in our society today, a pastor's opinion is just an one amongst other other opinions. Doesn't really matter. You know, I talk to some <laughs> talk to some people and and um, I think th- part of it is kind of like you know, like the WebMD effect. It's like you go to the doctors and they are like, well, what's going on? Well, doctor, you know, I I you know, I went on WebMD and I put in my symptoms and you know, this is what's wrong with me. This is what I have. And they were like, no, I don't think that that's what you have. You know, they're like, well, I want a second opinion because you know, I researched and I know what I got. <laughs> kind of like, you didn't go to medical school. <laughs> you don't you don't know what you're talking about, you know? It, it, it's kind of like that. It's like we do the same thing in the church. It's like everybody is a theologian, you know? It's like, you'd be like, when was the last time you read your Bible? I don't know. <laughs> you're like, but we know your opinion is wrong. <laughs> right. Just another opinion amongst other people. Now, there are societal factors at play that has, has brought us to this point. But I don't think it's only societal factors. Some of us as pastors and preachers have demeaned the office of pastor with our immoral lifestyles. Pursuit of extravagance. I mean, how many cars do you really need? How many Bentleys do you need as a is the question. Right. How many planes? Right. I heard this pastor say, Well see, Jesus, he was he rode around on the, the greatest technology of his day. And so we need to ride around in the greatest technology of our day. I'm like, he rode on a donkey. It's like what I'm like, what kind of I I don't understand. Like what kind of was the best uh, how is that the best technology of his day? I don't I don't understand. <laughs> okay. But Jesus also said foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. Jesus was homeless. I heard this passage. See, Jesus was riding around on boats doing his ministry. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> I'm like what? They did not belong to him. <laughs> okay, chapter, chapter and verse. All right. Listen, I'm I'll, I'll telling you. Sister Dorothy put this on here. I'm going to have these T-shirts made up. I'm going to have two T-shirts made up. It's going to say, one is said, say, what does the scripture say? And the other one I'm going to have to steal from JT. He was like, chapter and verse. Yep. I'm like, I, I want to see where was that? Jesus was riding around on a yacht. Or something. <laughs> I just don't, I don't get that. I don't know. Jesus was homeless. He was homeless. And he says, in the whole, the point that he's making is he's calling his disciples to come and follow me. He says, I am homeless, now come and follow me. Meaning, like, if you want this role, you might be homeless too. But because of our immorality, because of our pursuit of extravagance, because of our lack of biblical teaching, Because of the favoritism that we show when we do teach. We are facing the same thing that the priest in Malachi's day is facing. A populace that despises us. They don't respect us. Now, as I'm ending this passage, I said that um, this is not going to. Book of Malachi is not going to be like the typical, you know, book that we go through, right? You know, we go through, we hear about, you know, God's grace and our salvation and, and all of those things. And all of those things are there, right? You know, the, the sacrifices that they're offering is a, is a, a picture of Jesus' death on the cross for us, right? So, so the, the idea is there in the background. But, but this whole book is a punch in the gut. It is saying, you all are not worshiping me properly. He said at the end of chapter 1, I would rather you lock the door and don't come here anymore if you're not going to worship me properly. this, uh, This idea that you know, we could come to God and, and give him what we want because God is just so loving, He's always going to be there. y'all have never read Malachi. <laughs> God says, "Get out my face I, I don't if you're not going to honor me the way I, I deserve to be honored as the king of the universe, He says, "I am a great king. Don't come here go go spend time somewhere else. Passage after passage. After passage in Malachi is meant to cause us to examine ourselves. Are we truly giving God what He deserves as the King of the universe? Now the answer for all of us is no. Okay, <laughs> right? N- none of us can truly ever give God what He truly deserves. Okay. But but that's what Jesus is for, right? He, he's there in order to save us because we will always fail. And so that's the point of the sacrifices. You're supposed to live holy. You will fail. So we offer a substitute to die in our place. Okay, Right. Preparing our understanding for Jesus. And we'll see that when we get to the book of, of Malachi. He, he, he makes this reference um, that we'll, we'll look at at the, at the end of the passage, at the end of the book. But what I want us to see here is this passage Is one of the most serious passages in the entire Bible for those who want to teach God's word. Every single person who wants to lead God's people in whatever capacity, okay, it doesn't matter, whatever capacity you want to want to lead in, right? Right, especially the word, but whatever ministry you want to serve them. You need to meditate on this passage <laughs> and see how serious God is when he says you better take this to heart. All right, I'm moving my time. <laughs> All right. Um now, let me tell you, next week we are going to be looking at chapter 2 verse 10. Down to chapter verse si- chapter sixteen, chapter two verse ten, down to verse sixteen. All right. Um, now your job is to do what? Read that five times. All right, five times. Make sure you make sure you're ready for it. And and God is going to address some things in the, in this passage. He is going to talk about what we owe one another if we say that God is our Father. If we say that God is our father, how are we supposed to treat one another? OK, I'm going to have to just let you all know like T.D. Jakes and get ready, get ready, get ready. (laughs) Now, before I close in prayer, you know, I know it was a joke that somebody said to me uh, yesterday, but maybe somebody else is feeling this way. You know, uh, we, I was I was talking to somebody the other day about um, uh, s- uh someone that will remain la- nameless. They were like, um, you know what, pastor? I ain't coming back to church till you start preaching on something else. <laughs> 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 and uh, the pr- th- this person was like, I'm gonna be like them. Wow, like, like this, this, this series is too hard. Okay, but here's my, here's my point, right? the The point that I'm making is is that sometimes. Um again like I said the word of God is a two-edged sword. It will cut you sometimes. Okay. Um what we don't want is to run away when it cuts. Okay. Number one, and number two, um or on my end, I have to give it to you the way it is given, okay? Uh one of my seminary professors said that, you know, th- most pastors tendencies, I had this tendency. I have a problem with this. The tendency is when you find difficult things in, the, in, a, in a book or the Bible, like, we tend to make a lot of jokes in order to lighten the mood. And, uh, and in, a, in a way, that's kind of like a dealing with, like, social anxiety, so to speak. Like, we know that this is hu- it's tough. We know that people kind of like, he got, like, one more time to step on my toe, <laughs> and there's going to be a problem up in here. <laughs> okay. And so we kind of try to lighten the, lighten the mood or whatever, but he said, don't do it. When God gives a tough message in his word, give it and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Okay. now, the point I was making to the uh, um, is this. The reason that it's important for us to hit books like Malachi and not just all of the passages on faith. And God is going to bless you and do all of these great things for you is because on judgment day. God is going to say, you know what? You failed and do 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 do. And you'd be like, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I didn't kn- I'm like, how when was I supposed to learn that? Well, your pastor was supposed to tell you about that. Well, my pastor ain't know. Then he's gonna look at me. <laughs> 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 and, and and this is what this is what I said. Didn't I say this? But well, I, I shouldn't have told him who I was talking to. So uh, I would say, listen, on judgment day, one of us is gonna be in trouble. Okay. <laughs> one of us is gonna be in trouble. And it's my job to make sure it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so I gotta give it to you straight. I gotta give it to you straight. I don't have a TV crew that I have to keep employed. You know, I don't have a Bentley's that I gotta keep paying for. Okay. So if you're offended, I'm like, well, you know, I can go to I can go get a job. <laughs> but what's not gonna happen is on judgment day, God is gonna say, go in the corner. You ain't tell my people what I had to say. Okay? I'm like, Lord, look, I told them. I'm like, hey, Brian, what day was that? <laughs> Brian got the tape. What'd you say? Listen, I'm like, hey, Brian. <laughs> I'm like, y'all got the CDs? <laughs> tell the Lord I told <laughs> them. They're like, they're without, right? They're like, school screw. <laughs> like, like, they are without excuse, okay, so this, this, this God will always judge his people with mercy, but we will still be held accountable for everything in this book, everything in this book, okay, well, not this book, because my Bible, for some reason, they put the Apocrypha in here, but, so, everything in this book except the Apocrypha, okay, (laughs) but um, y'all get my point, Um, so it's, it's important that we that we know God's expectations, right, um, because we're going to be held accountable for for everything that, that's in this book, okay, so um, I know sometimes I risk offending people, okay, um, but I promise you, you will be much happier being offended today <laughs> than to get the judgment day and, and be offended then, okay, all right. So that's my spiel for today. Next week, I say that in advance of the message for next week. Uh, it, it, it's going to get very tight, you know, very, very tight. But please come. Don't skip next week. <laughs> don't don't skip next Sunday. It's going to be tight. But but, you know, but it's, it's right. It's tight, but it's right. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us this opportunity to come uh, together we thank you, Lord, for the for the tough parts of your word as well as the good parts of your word. We ask, Lord, that you will continue to to grow us and to develop us. Every parent knows that it's important for their kids to 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 have candies at times, but it's also good to have Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and so, Lord, we thank you that you have put so many blessings in your words, but we also need the vegetables. I ask, Lord, that you would um, help us not to shy away from the tough parts in your word. Help us to learn to honor and respect you because this world, our society, our culture I- is teaching us to, to go the path of least resistance. And, and we cannot do that with you. You are a great king and your name is to be honored among the nations. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to offer you proper sacrifices and the sacrifice that we are to um, to offer to you is our lives. As we saw in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, I pray, Lord, that you would would help us to examine every aspect of our lives and ask ourselves the question in this, am I giving God my best? And Lord, that truth is that none of us gives you our best in everything. But as you put your finger on things in our lives, I pray that we would offer those things up to you so that we can be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, because that is our reasonable service. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to die in our place. So that even when we fail, you don't throw us away. You continue to embrace us because you love us the same way you love him. We ask, Lord, that you would keep working on us as you have promised in Philippians until the day you come for us. And on that day, we will be holy and blameless before you because that was your plan. We thank you for all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.